Wide Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. Versus Stetson, we fouled too much. Reaching in, and they added up. If you can't hit your shots, then you'll pay the price. Our conference record is only six and nine, and that's just not very nice. There you have it. Deep stuff from my co-host and partner, Mr. John Finer, here on the post-game show of the Al Chat Podcast. The month of February has wound all the way down, and we just have one game left to go. Uh, but we are here with a full house. Should be a fun episode. I'm joined, as always, as always, by my co-host and partner, Mr. John Finer, former Owls, Mr. J.D. Pollock, and John Michael Nickerson, and producer Nick is also with us here on the call. Fellas, how are we feeling today? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. How, JD, how do you feel about being introduced first over J-Mac? Feel good, huh? You know, it's, it's rightfully so. He's getting old. He's, he's kind of like a has-been. He's like, I don't know that anybody even knows that he's like winning state titles or anything. So I appreciate that. It, it's a pleasure to be here, you know, uh, especially after my former roommate gave up basketball after a career ending injury i threw up the quotes on that one no i'm just kidding he he tore it all up man this <laughs> I, I am i'm very excited to be here he did a i listened to it last week with you two guys man and y'all dominated y'all's insights the 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 breakdowns was it was it was elite i enjoyed listening to it appreciate that let's do it again let's get after it Absolutely. Glad to have both of you guys on again. Um, first time JD and I have been on a show together, so it should be a fun one. Um, but we'll get straight into the basketball stuff, not uh, not beat around the bush too much anymore. But we'll start with Florida Gulf Coast. So just to summarize for those who didn't get a chance to watch, um, the game was back and forth early. Um, FGCU eventually pulled together a 15-10 to 10 lead. Um, then the Owls proceeded to go on a 20-3 to 3 run, large in part to freshman Frank Juan Sherman catching fire. Uh, KSU held the lead for the rest of the first half and then took a 37 to 30 advantage into the locker room. Uh, in the second half, KSU came out strong again and took back a double digit lead going up by as much as 52 to 37. Um, because nothing can be easy, FGCU responded with a 15 to 2 run of their own and even took the lead a few times in the half, um, but never by more than a point. Then with up by three in the closing minutes, Simeon Cottle made his only three of the night to give the Owls a six-point cushion at 69 to 63. Um, and then Terrell Burden scored KSU's final five to close out a 74-67 road win against Florida Gulf Coast. Sherman led the way with 21 points and 10 boards, while Cole LaRue played a very important role off the bench with a career-high tying 10 points. Would have been 11 um, if it wasn't for a Jusson Holt lane violation in the second half um, that cost him a free throw. But... We'll start with uh, we'll start with JD this time. Thoughts, comments, feelings on FGCU. First of all, I love that gym. I like to play in there back in the day when they were new to the league, just like we were. So it's always fun to watch a game in there. Um, honestly, it's it's kind of kind of a, a positive game in my mind, not because of the W. I just kind of like the way that we came out. Like uh, we were we were flying around on defense to where. Um, like we alluded to a show or so ago, uh, I didn't feel like we were on our heels a whole lot. I thought we tried to be a little bit more aggressive, um, not necessarily like polished, but we were moving around and, and dictating a little bit more, uh, scrambling if they had an extra shooter, things like that. It wasn't just constantly one-two punch, one-two punch. And, um, you know, I mean, sometimes basketball is not that complicated. You know, like we, we were even in free throws that game as opposed to usually in the deficit, things like that. Um, obviously. You know, 
Frank Juan was great, especially for being a young guy. Uh, that goes without saying. Um, I know we're going to talk about him plenty, but I liked the way he got it going. We, we had constantly had cutters coming out of those corners whenever we got to the free throw line area. We didn't just stay planted more like an NBA style or or even Petway where he's from at Bama where you just nobody's cutting in there. You just stay wide, let the guy with the ball make a play, shoot threes or get a layup. And and I liked those cuts. It, it, it got the young guy going. He's so athletic that he can finish. Um, it was it was a good one. I, I thought that they played well, especially on the road. Um, good win for us, man. I, I was proud of them. Hey, Mac, on to you. Yeah, man. Uh, JD alluded to it, man. Uh, he, he talked about the cutting. The cutting was the cutting uh, from the corner, uh, the, the corner wings, and especially Fraquan. He's got a great feel of when to cut, the timing of when to do it. Uh, and to be honest, that's a weapon that the the older guys don't do enough. Um, he actually carried that over into the Stetson game as well. Uh, FGCU never adjusted to the, those corner cutters either, man. And uh, off those high ball screens uh, with Terrell and whoever the five was at the time, either LaRue or DeMond, I mean, those wings were just terrorizing on those baselines, cutting it. Yeah. And FGCU was just always ball watching, chest to the ball in the corners, and the defense was pretty bad. Uh, but uh, like JD said, man, any, any road win is a great win. And uh, going into that place is not easy is not easy to uh win at so uh yeah. I, they, they they were definitely flying around they they are they're always playing on their toes being aggressive offensively it was a great win if you don't prep for those cuts then it, it's not an in-game adjustment because you're ball watching you're thinking of burden downhill which is such a threat yep. you, you either knew those cuts were coming or you didn't and and that's that's tough to adjust to so i i, I like those a lot the timing was good yeah john mentioned that the attendance was over 2000 for um you know, or maybe it was Nick who mentioned that it was over 2,000 for two bottom half A Suns teams. Um, and, and, you know, that does make it a tough place to play when, uh, you know, those Fort Myers locals are able to stand up for, you know, five minutes out of the game. But <laughs> um, it did seem like a good environment. Um, and it was good to kind of be validated um, for the love we've given Frank Juan Sherman over the last a uh, couple of weeks here on the podcast. Just a fantastic game. One thing I want to ask you guys was about Cole LaRue. So, you know, he's not been a rotational guy for most of the season. He plays 17 minutes and has a good offensive game, you know, shoots four or five, scores 10 points. But defensively, you know, he wasn't really doing much on Kelman when he was in the game. So I'm I'm curious why you guys think he was even in the game in the first place. I, I personally think it was for uh, post-defense. And anything extra you get offensively is a bonus. But, like, LaRue is massive. He's got huge mass. And – I think they were just trying to wear on Kellerman a little bit, and hopefully he would he could get a couple stops. That because uh, because you remember the first matchup, Kellerman he did whatever he wanted versus Demond or Ranji, if if I'm not mistaken. Um, he he was very successful, and obviously that guy is very skilled. He's going to be a tough cover for anybody. But I think they were just relying on his mass, Larue's mass, and he's got five fouls to use. I mean, and yeah, and that's that was the one. That's for me. That way knows they're going to foul their ass off anyway. So. Yeah. Might as well use his fouls. Right. No, absolutely. And it, it didn't matter if it's his fouls, DeMond, he was seven for seven either way. You know, I mean, he didn't, he didn't miss a field goal. So yeah, just throw another body at him. And then, and he's at least a, a vet, you know, he, he doesn't have to be the most athletic guy or anything. He knows what's going on. You're comfortable with him. You you probably know exactly what you're going to get. He's going to hit little tough to, uh, touch shots. He can step out with a decent touch. He didn't hit a three, but he can. So they at least know that. And 
I mean, he, I mean, he's a senior. He, he's okay. Just just put him out there. He'd be nice and comfortable. And the guy was had 17 points on, you know, seven of seven shooting. So you might as well try and switch it up a little bit. But DeMond opened up the game great. Maybe we weren't guarding him that well. But DeMond set the tone out of the gate. He was scoring early too. So um, definitely a change of pace. But but I think it was definitely defensively, like J-Max said. One thing, Kai, uh, the Florida Gulf Coast, did a terrible job of that the other teams have done uh recently when they make us only play one small guard is they didn't take they didn't try to take advantage of us when we had two small guards on the court at all like they never did and so it allowed us to always play uh two of our smaller guards whether it be Cottle and RJ uh and uh RJ and uh Terrell on the court at the same time I know RJ is not very small like as far as mass wise but he doesn't have the length that you know the the uh, the other wings have as far as Holt and Adam McCoy and them so they, they didn't they didn't do a very good job of taking advantage of our small guards so it allowed us to play small if we wanted to also that's one thing I noticed right. yeah and no. FGCU's been kind of up and down all year with their play um with you know I feel like when we beat them in Kennesaw we got a much better effort from FGCU than we got tonight just intensity effort shot making um, all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's kind of surprising to me that, you know, Pat, uh, what Pat Chambers is in what his second or third year with FGCU and, second. you know, second. They're second and they're still, you know, looking kind of lost at times. So that just surprises me. They're mm-hmm. probably the most consistent, uh, inconsistent team in college basketball. I'd have to look around the rest of the country, but I mean, earlier this year, they went to OT with NAIA and then beat Florida Atlantic, who was in the top 10 at the time. Um, so they've been all over the place. Um, but defensively, you know, it's a conference opponent. We hold under 70, which has only happened twice this year, the last time being Jacksonville. And then um, we held Stetson to exactly 70, I think like the second or third game of the conference season. So um, one thing I did want to, you know, mention was Adam McCoy's play on defense. Now we've been kind of harsh on Quincy on the defensive end all season. Um, and that's one thing that coach Petway highlighted in the postgame presser. Did you guys think it was that noticeable um, on that end with Quincy's play? I just, like I said earlier, I just thought we were flying around. So whether it was an effort thing or being locked in or even being called out, it just, it just looked like we had some pace. It looked like we tried to be a little bit of an aggressor on that end. And, and all that turns into a lot of different things that turns into effort that turns into confidence that turns into getting the flow of the game, but then it even ends in a rebound. And they, I'm looking right now, they had five offensive rebounds all game and we dominated them on the boards 41 to 25. That's the story of the game. Other than hitting a few more threes, that's the story of the game. So to me, that's that's how uh, being called out defensively, getting in the flow of the game and just playing as hard as you can and, and making the extra effort when you've got length like he does. You know, he has experience as well. These guys, they're not all super young guys. These guys have played in a lot of games. And so um, that that's how I see it affecting the game. I don't know about just going to a whole different level defensively, but being locked in, being aggressive, being on your toes, I think it all adds up. I think one thing with Quincy uh, that I that I notice is he oftentimes uh, he overpressures. He doesn't utilize his length where he's like, let me keep, let me let me make sure I got adequate distance in between my body and and, and my man. So yeah, and trust it. In case he counters me, I I can still take an angle to cut him off. What he 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 gets too far up, and the guy either spin or you know go between the legs or something, and then he's got the angle to get him on his hip. And that's what gets Quincy because Quincy is narrow and he doesn't look 
very physically strong, in my opinion. I'm guessing he's not the strongest guy just looking at his body. So I think when those dudes counter him and he overpressures, it gives them the angle. And he's, he's got to be more conscious and aware of utilizing his length and his long arms. Like, yeah. so back off four to six inches, just so you know if they counter, you can you can beat them back to the spot and foul them with your chest. Right. It yeah, no, like it gives, definitely worst. gives you a cheat system, a little bit of a hover hand there. It seems like he's one of the worst defenders of overcommitting, but that's kind of just been all the wings all season. Um, discipline, discipline. Yeah, but JD, you brought up the confidence thing. I mean, we've had a few nights where, you know, first five minutes of the game before the first media timeout, we look super aggressive on defense. We're forcing turnovers, you know, we're forcing tough looks, and then we end up giving up 90. Like, yeah, how much of this is a confidence thing? It's, I mean, it's part of it, but it's also kind of like a, like a boxing match. Like you can't just test it every game and be like, Hey, let's see what it is as opposed to like, we're going to impose our will over time. But that's why it is interesting to me because Kennesaw state has such a different philosophy than, than I played, than I coached with all that stuff. And I'm not saying that is a bad thing. Like what he grew up in and was molded in at Alabama is resetting offensive records right now. So it's just a whole different way of attacking the game. And now in order to do that, He's obviously going to have to get guys that just play like a track meet and can light it up from three because they really are going like James Harden in the pros. It's either a three or a layup. And Nate Oates is bragging about it. I keep bringing him up because Petway's been at Bama for years and years. That's I know that's what it's on his mind. So it's different in that you give up 90. It, it has to be give and take because you can't play a breakneck speed and not expect the possessions to just rack up. So now it's going to just become about efficiency because they're going to get the ball a hundred times. So now it's like a junior college game pace wise. And yeah, they're going to score points because they've got the ball every other 10 seconds, you know, so they can miss three threes in a row. We're banging them. We get a lob We're maybe we scored all three times. They still got the ball four times in a minute, you know? So when you play at that pace, it can rack up. You can't just go off of points scored because Believe me, we're perfectly fine if we went 90 to 82. Like that was the plan is to impose our will offensively instead of necessarily defensively. And you kind of saw that the other night with Kentucky versus Alabama is they're both coming in playing the exact same way. Yet one bang shots and the other one gets run off the floor. So when you want to win with offense, it's it's going to affect your defense. No different than in football. Yeah, what's been uh, frustrating this year is it feels like there have been a few games where we, you know, should have been able to just un like outrun teams and win 95 to 85. And there have been like little yeah. things that like just missed free throws and we end up losing by a point. Like the Bellarmine game seemed like one of those games where we were just going to, you know, just throw it out the window um, defensively, I, I guess, or efficiency wise. But we still should have won that game just because we had so many opportunities and we're efficient enough. And then, you know, it's poor free throw shooting or just ticky tack fouls at the end of games and um, that's frustrating yeah. this season, but it's also encouraging that there are problems that, you know, can be worked out and should be worked out in the future. Um, but what I've been saying all year is uh, it's a, it's a lot easier to run that fun and gun type of offense, you know, and it'd be appealing to watch when you have a Brandon Miller on the team. Um, and right now we're kind of yeah. trying to make a bunch of pieces, you know, be something that they're not really um, and getting mixed results. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, j can roll on it too, but, but at the same time, I said this a lot on the last show is like, if it's his belief system, I, I don't want him to change it. Like get that, get it built in, take it and run with it. We'll take some lumps along the way. But like, if that's what you believe in, we don't want you to not be who you are either. You know, you got to cater the lineup a little bit, but clearly we can score some points at some point. You got to get stops. I mean, I'm looking it was 86 Eastern Kentucky, 85 Austin P 101 Lipscomb good game, 61 Jacksonville, 82 North Florida, 
67 Florida Colts, another win, 84 Stetson. Like, you're just giving up buckets at some point. And like I said, that is directly related to how we are trying to play offense because we can score. But when you're the fourth fastest paced team in the country, I don't care how you guard, you're going to give up points. So, I mean, when you're shooting, you know, seven of 24, you know, against Florida Gulf Coast and, you know, not faring much better against Stetson, seven or actually worse, seven of 26, I mean, uh, it, you're just not putting yourself in a good situation. It's pretty simple, actually. Like yeah. you said, it's yeah. not complicated. Not sometimes. Yeah. My, my my entire issue with some of the threes we're taking, um, it, it's, it's ball reversal, quick shot. And I, I, I'm not a fan of, hey, let, let Terrell come off this ball screen. He doesn't really have anything. So he just qu- does a quick reversal. And then it's a launch from the slot on yeah. the I hate that shot. First of all, there's been no paint touch. Nobody's tried to attack a closeout. It, it, it's not coming from an inside out type of philosophy. And, and, and then this is, this is also a huge reason why there's so many points scored is because when other, when guys throw up bad shots, other guys on the team that didn't touch the ball, one, they'll freeze for a second because they're pissed off. Like, why the hell did you shoot that shot? And that split second is all it takes for a, a transition dunk to happen on the other end. And two, anytime you take a bad shot, it is considered like a it's considered a shot turnover. And so the 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 uh, the reaction the reaction time for transition defense is going to be slower. Which means those yeah. those teams that can run really well and can shoot and, and that are very skilled and play in space, they're going to take advantage of that. And then, so the reaction time is slower. Also, when you when you're not expecting that shot to go up, I, I was just going to say if you don't know, everybody in the gym should know when somebody's going to shoot it, opponent or your own team. Everybody should be like, "Oh, great shot!" Like, "Oh, it didn't go in. Big deal." Everybody should know when somebody's about to raise up and knock one down. So if you don't know every single catch, like, shoot, he might pull this. (laughs) That's hard to get back on because you don't know if you're cutting about to receive it. And, and like he's saying, those are the the toughest ones because I know the philosophy it's transition threes. It is not come off a ball screen, hit, let it go. That's not the threes that they're looking for. They're looking for transition threes, inside out threes, baseline drift, Yep. Or layups, one not off those bases. Not just like, oh, I'm stuck here. Let's swing the ball up, and then all of a sudden it's up. That's not how you. you that's the transition threes is the key. That's where you, you're taking a percentage of their defense not set. Maybe it's a difficult shot, but we're taking it because they're not guarding us yet, and that's what they want. Not just any three in the book. I was just gonna say, like, it seems like we got the guys to do it. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about you know Terrell and Demond being kind of odd fits, but Terrell Burden is Terrell Burden, and Demond Robinson is Demond Robinson, and he's exactly actually been decent from the perimeter this year. I think his <laughs> three point percentage is up to like 32 percent, which isn't you know fantastic, but that makes him you know a legitimate threat from back there. Um, but I mean, like the guys should be there and a lot of our quote unquote specialists have been somewhat inefficient this year. Um, Adam McCoy has had some really bad shooting nights. Uh, Simeon Cottle is shooting at a lower percentage from three than DeMond Robinson is right now. I think he's at 32% or they're like, they're neck and neck. It's close. Don't quote me on that. But, um, you know, and then Holt was supposed to be better on the offensive side and he hasn't been. So it, it feels like it's there and then just has not clicked for whatever reason. I just don't think we have, you know, a complete you know, wing on the roster, you know, I thought Jamel King might have, you know, might be able to grow into that guy still. Um, but, you know, Adam McCoy was what, two for 12 this weekend, uh, this past weekend on threes. 
Mm-hmm. We need that knockdown guy. And, you know, we're bringing in some players like Wooly, McKenzie, Seals. I don't know what we have there, but, you know, we need to get some guys that, you know, can hit that three consistently and, you know, that three and D type profile right. that can really run and is athletic. It's so unfortunate because I really, really like Quincy Adamakoya. I think he's a really smart dude. He's really well-spoken, um, just a good character. Uh, I don't think he's built for the role that he's in. I think what he was doing last year where he was coming off the bench, you know, shooting from the corner two or three times a game, hitting two or three of them, um, you know, and just being an energy guy uh, on the second unit was a much better role for him. And I, I just don't think on a on a competitive team he's he's built for what he's trying to be. Yeah. You right, might be right, Kai. He might be more of a 15-minute-per-game player, and we're trying to stretch him into a 25- to 35-minute type guy. So that's, that's what he was for us last year, and he played that role perfectly, I thought, being the seventh or eighth man off the bench. You are correct, 100%. Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer both membership and daily fee play. Owl fans, be sure to mark your calendar. The Owls Collective has a golf tournament scheduled for Monday, June 10th at Dogwood Golf Club to raise money for KSU athletes. Go to owlscollective.com for more details. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw, so be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club an official sponsor of the Owl Chat podcast. Um, unless you all don't have anything else to add, I can go ahead and move on to Stetson and then talk about that and just some of the bigger picture stuff. Bring on the pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we go. So started well with the win. Um, unfortunately, there is another half to this road trip. Um, so things didn't start off too well. Uh, in the first half in the land, Stetson began the game with a 23-12 to 12 lead uh, behind their st- Jalen Blackman um, and then guards Terrell Burton and Simeon Cottle who's been coming off the bench brought the Owls all the way back into the lead briefly on a 13 to 2 run I think it was like 25 24 um, then after a few lead changes Stetson would coast into halftime with a 37 to 32 advantage the Owls rallied to start the second half and took a 39 to 37 lead um, then the game was neck and neck for the next like uh, 10 minutes or so and then around the eight minute under eight minute timeout uh, Stetson really pulled away um, and kind of just asserted their will and won by double digits 84 to 72 um, we'll start with J-Mac this time let's talk about the no so not so good mm. well you know what uh the first half even though uh Kennesaw didn't have the lead I thought their defensive pressure and their their them uh their energy as far as being disruptive to those pin down actions. And uh, I thought they were really, really good. They, for- they had some turnovers. They were forcing some turnovers. And, uh, you know, the, the, the commentators were talking about how, you know, that was on Stetson. I thought it was because of the effort and the, the, the energy Kennesaw was providing on the defensive end. So defensive energy, I thought was pretty solid the first half. Um, the, the biggest play of the game, the play that sticks out in my mind uh, of when the tide really turned was when Blackman, it, it was 1245 in the second half. Kennesaw had the lead. Uh, it was a, we, Kennesaw had that five point lead. Blackman comes off this flare screen and RJ was the bottom guy in help. And he was, he was so hugged up to his man on the weak side. He should have escaped the paint and provided that help on that drive. Blackman gets an and one. Uh, and now it's a two point Kennesaw lead. And then we start taking terrible threes awful shot selection and they go on a 7-0 run before we scored again they take the lead 
and they never looked back after that. Um, and the 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 very thing that they were doing in the first half, they did not do the second half. And and there were there were other possessions where I, I saw uh, Cottle not xing out on the weak side when he should have been helping on a horn set and. Uh, just the rotation and the lack of attention to to leave your man to go help another teammate who had to go help somebody else was not there. And the attention and, and them being on a string and together was not there the second half. And it, it caused them massive breakdowns. Uh, Donnie Jones at Stetson did a great job of taking advantage of our, our hard hedging uh, and, and getting us in rotations and attacking us with their bigs and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, it, it, I love I, I loved how competitive Kennesaw fought the entire game. I like the chippiness with all that stuff. The, the the rhythm of the game sucked, and I was pissed drinking my coffee this morning because I'm like, damn, dude, there's too many damn whistles. But also, <laughs> Kennesaw was fouling way too much, man. Uh, just the reaching, the gambling, the undisciplinedness, uh, and so it was frustrating. But the play of the game, if you go back, was at 1245. We had a five-point lead. RJ was in completely hugged up on his man on the weak side and, and, and it changed the entire tide of the game. Yeah. I'm glad actually you said that they were competing and everything. Cause losing by 12 doesn't show it. Another road loss when you're trying to get in the playoff doesn't show it, but I, I actually wasn't that mad with how we played. You know, it was, it was a good game, not pretty, of course, mistakes. It's college basketball. We were fine for a long time. You know, yep. long time. And then under eight in the second half, I'm with you on your play. Absolutely. Cause you could kind of feel something changed. And I'm, I've joked about this last time. I'm big in the word momentum, but like the momentum you're on the road, it's tender. It's, it's hard to keep. You're feeling good. You're feeling bad, whatever it is. But as soon as it swings, it's really hard to grab. And under eight, this whole game was lost at one media under eight to four minutes and it was over. And that's how simple losing college basketball games is. So here it is. It feels like, ah, oh, here we go again. We lost. We played 34 minutes of pretty good basketball. Not not great. Not maybe even an NCAA tournament level, but a good road game. We were okay. Yeah. Competitive and enough to win on the road. Exactly. Just find a way. Piece it together. They don't. Nobody cares about how you win on the road. Just find a way to be in the game at, with 30 seconds to go and put yourself in a good position. And you we guys, were, except for four minutes. And you guys want a little bit of a possible silver lining here? Um, with the way things are shaping up, there is a possibility that we'll see Stetson again and at their place. So, uh, yes. you know, there might be some chance for retribution here before we leave the A Sun. I'd I'd be fine with that, honestly, because I think I think we were okay. I think we got confidence from the game. The guys didn't walk out of there saying, "Man, I'm just glad we were close for a minute there." They know they had it. And if you take a four minute stretch out, which in college basketball is not a tiny time frame, but it it relatively is if you played pretty well. After that, it was a 10-point game the rest of the way, maybe eight, whatever. You lose by 12, but it was tied, or we were down two going into that eight-minute media. We, we beat them by 18 before in the season. So if I'm yeah. Kennesaw State, you know, I'm doing everything I can to beat Queens, win that game, get that seven or eight seed, win whatever play up, playoff game, uh, playing game matchup that we have. Right. And then I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping Stetson wins the next game or whatever, and uh, we match up with them again, because I don't want Eastern Kentucky. I want to be on the opposite side of the bracket of that. And I don't mm -hmm. want Austin P who's red hot. We beat right. these guys before we held with them and we'll do it again. Right. Not yeah. only is EKU really, really good, but they filled that place up. Stetson had like 600 people in their building on senior night. Yeah. I'll take that. I mean, I'll take that. 1000. No, but to give, to give uh Blackman almost 30, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a 40, 40, 90 guy. And he's, and he's banging the threes during the run. Like he made plays, but, 
No, I, I don't think you're afraid if you see them. I think we're feeling fine. Like, let's go get a win. And I mean, we, I, I hate that we lost. I'm not trying to gloss over like we're used to it or anything like that. I'm just saying like we were there. We were okay. It was a really bad stretch for five, six minutes. And and that's plenty recoverable. I mean, it's always, it's uh you know, it sucks how it happened thing. Not that it yeah. sucks that it happened. Like on the, on the midweek when we were talking about these games, like we, we all predicted a loss, you know, we wanted to split out of this road trip to stay afloat and finish with that seventh seed, like sweeping. This was going to be a dream scenario. So, uh, you know, it's cliche, but to see the fight we did, it was encouraging. Um, Absolutely. you know, Frank, Frank one Sherman didn't quite follow up the performance he had against FGCU, um, had to deal with some foul trouble, but he was still a monster on the boards, um, and still flashed a lot of that potential. Um, you know, he's made young kid mistakes in, uh, every game so far that he's played in, but, uh, that just comes with time. So, yeah. and I'm no coach. Yeah, I mean, that's go ahead. But Jay, I was just gonna say, I'm no coach in all my years watching college basketball, man. And all I want for my freshmen is to flash, you know, have a good game here, bad game there. If we're seeing something, then that means there's something there to be to be found yeah and no. he's got it you that's all you can expect from him especially playing with seniors that are that are good and ball dominant and, and should have the ball like it's just he's he's gonna have nights and he's gonna have other nights and and as long as he's getting more comfortable he's, he's getting the, there you he's know? the best cutter on the team and, and yeah it's instinctive too and, yeah and movement knowing when and how to move without the ball is a art that most high school kids have no idea how to do and a lot of a lot of college dudes we watch every day have no idea when to cut and he's got a great instinct he did it in the Stetson game too he had five turnovers he didn't play very well as far as numbers wise but man like it's like it's like bro you got to roll with that energy man the competitive fire and stuff like he brings something different to the table because he is willing to cut and get nasty in the paint yeah no absolutely you could have a set where it's drawn up hey when he turns the corner cut that still doesn't mean you're going to cut at the right time it's an instinctive play it's a timing thing sometimes it's over the top sometimes it's lob sometimes it's hide on the baseline in the dunker zone he can find those pockets and and i think the guys are starting to know when he's going to do it too that not just bucket corner three where's cutter you know i think they know it's a it's a very live option right now which is great i really really like it yeah, and right. even if he doesn't score off of it, he's in position to offensive rebound with his athleticism. Yep. No, he's drawing attention. He's 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 causing a lot of eyes. It's really good. Right. John, I did want to comment on something you said. You said that out of your freshman, you really just kind of want to see flashes from time to time. And I think I have to disagree. I think that is probably product of you watching a lot of bad Kennesaw State basketball <laughs> out of the year and kind of just <laughs> no diss to anybody on this podcast and kind of just wanting to look ahead for the future. But when you have good competitive teams, like the team that went to the tournament last year, uh, a guy like Simeon Cottle, while he did have those flashes, and that's a great thing, you know, played a real role within that season for us, you know. Um, and this year, in a year that we also wanted to be competitive and had expectations, um, I kind of wish that we had started playing Sherman earlier and kind of started figuring out where Johnson was going to be in the rotation earlier, you know, so they could contribute as part of the 2023 to 2024 team. Kai, uh, we talked about this uh, right before JD jumped on that first podcast. You, uh, John, you were talking about you wanted RJ in the lineup. Kai, you were talking. You, you were the freak one, and I and I said out loud, and I was wrong. I said both of them aren't going to get minutes uh, according to the rotation right now. There's not there's not room for anybody. Well, we're seeing a shift in the minutes. Uh, Jamel's minutes have gone down. Uh, I want to say Ranji. Ha- it, it seems like Ranji hasn't been on the court near as much. 
Uh, I could be wrong in that, especially with LaRue getting those minutes at, at Florida Gulf Coast. Um, but one thing I was watching, and I'm going to call it out because I, when I was at Kennesaw, I had a lot of dudes. I, I, I was, I was, I thought I was a quality player. I wasn't a great player or nothing, but I know one damn thing. I was a good teammate. And there were some guys when Kennesaw was going on that run at Florida Gulf Coast and getting ready to win that game, there were some guys sitting on that bench, not clapping and not cheering their teammates. And I got a big problem with that, man, especially as a coach, but also as a teammate, man, your guys are out there performing and doing and being successful. And you're not playing great basketball in the like you're trying to you're, you're doing anything to just win a game and make sure you get in a conference tournament, man. Get your ass up and cheer for your teammates, man. I had a big problem. No, with that. for sure. That that goes without saying. That's with any team because then yeah. you can see you can see so much bigger picture. You can see who's thinking about youth, who is youthful, and they're thinking about minutes. They're thinking about, damn, like I, I mean, I'm glad he's playing good, but if he plays good, what's that going to do with me? And like you just, yeah. it opens up. You name it. Like we could speculate for 30 minutes what they may or may not be thinking because the action says it all. Give me a break. Like you could be ready to go. I'm going to kill next year all year, but this, I mean, we're here, you know, this is, we're all here together if you are. And, and I don't know, I'm, I'm not big on speculation, but I don't know if they all are. I think there's a lot of feeling it out right now, you know? Well, I, yeah, I think that's also just a big con of having a lot of transfer guys and a lot of plug-in type guys who are at a new place and are kind of trying to make their own mark. You know, that, that chemistry is just not, you know, where it needs to be. And that's to be expected, but it also should be better. Like you guys are saying, it's like last year, you know, with Amir's guys and, it's getting a little old comparing this team and that team, but you know, a lot of those guys had, you know, been in the same class and had played together for years. Like that wasn't their first, you know, trip around the conference together. Um, and now you got a lot of new faces who haven't played with each other before. And, you know, a lot of clashing ego. Yeah. When I say ego, I'm not saying that. Um, I mean, everybody has an ego, right? It's, it's normal to want to succeed and to want to, as we talked about a few episodes ago, kind of hit your quota and leave the mark that you're expected to leave. Um, and you've got so much newness in that. And, you know, we're only at the end of year one. We don't know who's coming back. We don't know um, who else is coming in. So yeah, <laughs> hey, nobody in the country it. knows that anymore. I don't right. care if you're Tell Arizona. me about, Tell me about it. You're Arizona. Omar Balu could be leaving and going to play at Kentucky next year, like everybody's on the table. So we're just part of the trend with that, but that's, that doesn't make you feel any better. You know, it just, right. it's just too, too much of a reality of what it is. Sadly, we don't know who's going to be in Jersey next yeah. year. The good thing is that's right up Petway's sleeve. You know, he can go get guys. Right. I love, we, we can talk about adjustments and all this and that. I know him this much personally. I have a couple connections to him just barely. I love his fire. I love his energy. You can tell he's all about it. He is up and down that sideline. He is he is ready to get to work. You know, we we gotta ride him for a little bit. We gotta see what it is. And and he is proven, I don't I don't know about level, but he is proven he can go get some guys. He could recruit like hell. I mean, yeah, you get you get, you know, Brandon Miller and Colin Sexton to go out to that's okay. Tuscaloosa. That's okay. You're, do, you're doing something, right? Yeah. What do you got, Mac? Um, yeah, first of all, Petway has definitely has the loudest clap in the country as a head coach. Well, I think he's got to be by a microphone, right? That's crazy. I, I don't know, but it's loud as hell. Uh, I can hear it on TV crystal clear. Two, I I, I want to give Pet credit too, and I'm sure I'm sure the staff has something to do with this also, but him willing to be open-minded this late in the season to change that rotation up, man, yeah. and, and put those young guys in those spots and, and then, then win games especially on the road now it sends a signal to those older guys that transfer in and they're thinking oh these all these minutes are mine there's no there's no way Frank Juan's taking my minutes now now they win a, a road game 
and he he plays great one of those games it sends a message to him like yo bro you're not above sitting on this bench man if you're not bringing it every single day and that's that's great that i'm glad he did that man so props to him on doing that yeah, uh, Jay uh, Mack, I totally agree with your point. I'm glad the young guys are getting some minutes. But back to Kai's point about, you know, he wants a little bit more than flashes from the freshmen. I'm just curious what you guys think, uh, Jay Mack and JD, based on what you've seen, you know, from the beginning to now with Frank Juan and RJ, if you're Coach Petway, you know, are you pretty satisfied with what you're seeing? Um, or, or are you kind of like, oh, you know what? They're just, you know, getting here and there. It's a little too sporadic for me. Or are you kind of like, yeah, these guys are, I'm seeing what I want. Uh, going to Conference USA is, uh, it's not the A-Sun. It's much better. It's much deeper. It's much tougher. Um, them dudes are rugged. I mean, they're, they're very physical. It, it, it's a rugged, really rugged league, man. It's not like like some of the systems in the A Sun, like North Florida and stuff. They're more pretty aesthetic. They're, they're relying on shooting a ton of three. Like man, these dudes are gonna be, they're gonna be getting after it, man. And uh, and it's gonna it's gonna get nasty. And it's it really depends on their work ethics, man. Because I, I'm gonna tell you one thing, man. If them dudes, if if that staff, if that staff is not happy with these dudes of how they're approaching practice. And if they're working on their own before and after, they're gonna they're gone, man. They're gone. There's yeah. there's zero room in college basketball now for coaches, especially young coaches, to hey man, I'm just gonna give you time to see if you're growing. No, bro, you better you better come in this program already working. And if if they don't if they don't have a great work ethic, man, they're not they're not they're not gonna be staying. And just to jump in real quick, um, I do remember Coach Petway once or twice in interviews we're not talking about how RJ's, you know, putting in the work, that sort of thing. I'm not sure, of course, if he's just, you know, token praise or whatnot. But, you know, the way Frank Juan plays, I mean, I assume that's how he practices. I mean, I've heard Petway praise the way he's practiced, and that's what got him into the lineup to begin with. So I don't really have concerns about those guys, at least from the outside looking in. The only thing about young guys that you got to worry about is if, if they're in a culture of older guys that don't work, they become a product of their environments, meaning they can come in with great work ethics, but if they're in a, if they're around older dudes who don't like to work and they complain about the staff, man, it's easy for their minds to get just messed up psychologically and they become what they're around every single day, man. And that can really mess them up. But I, what I, what I'm watching on TV, I do like those two. And I like Simeon. Simeon's got to get much stronger and put on some mass in the off season. Uh, if he wants to be able to defend in the conference USA, but I like, I like, I, I definitely like those three as underclassmen. The the culture at Kennesaw State, what you said, Jay Mack, I've that's happened before here at KSU, so we can't let it happen again. Uh, JD, no, I, yeah, I'm with that all the way. It's it's definitely I got a lot to go on on that side of things with vets leading the way, but for those guys specifically, they're they're definitely pieces. You know, they're they're not going to end up being the seniors that run through conference USA and bring home a title for you. You know what I mean? But they are, they are able to, to be there to become a big piece uh, starter type minutes potentially. But I, I, if anything, I, I think this will help that way. I, the recruiting needs to go to a whole different level in that league. And it can now, you know, you've seen it when all these other schools change um, just because of my own path years ago, when TCU left the mountain West and they got their, Butts kicked for years in the Big 12. It was them in Texas Tech at the bottom, if you guys remember, for a number of years. And Utah. 
Yeah, and Utah. Now, it's not even the same team anymore. They're not taking the same guys. It made billboards when they signed a four-star guy. Now they're they're in the room with Texas, and they're in the room with, with you name it, you know? And so the league will help just naturally in recruiting with what arenas we're going to play in, with the budget going up, with where we're going to travel to, all that. That's going to help Petway sound different, look different, present different, all those things. And if anything, it's going to help him fit better because hopefully we get closer to the type of guys he was talking to at Bama. Not Brandon Miller, but at least some guys that are like, hey, he could have gone Conference USA. I think he's better than that. We're going we're gonna to maybe take a flyer on him. It'll be the similar type room at least. But with the with the culture side of things, I'll be completely biased, and I'll go on record for it. I've never seen anything like the San Diego State locker room. When I've said this so many times in recruiting visits, on official visits and all this stuff, Malachi Flynn, Jordan Shackle, and now Jaden Ledee, who's playing like an All-American, I've never seen guys work like that at any of my jobs. When I played, I thought J-Mac and I got extra shots up and everything. Like, man, we're working. We're getting in there. It's an entirely different level than anything I've ever seen. And J-Mac's seen it, too, with some of the pros he's been around. It's just different. And there's no other way to say it. It's not a secret. We went to the pit. We come back. We won the game. It was one of the few games we chartered back. We get back at 1 a.m. And Malachi and Jordan were like, four for 12 collectively behind the arc. And they were like, Hey, I know we're going to shoot. Cause they went every day at 8 AM, no matter what they said, I know we're going to shoot anyway, but let's, let's just go touch it for half an hour. Let's just go shoot for 30 minutes and then go to bed at 145 instead of 115. So we get off the jet. They went and shot in the jam center for 30 minutes, just so their mind was better. Cause they didn't like the way it felt that night. And the freshmen are looking at these guys like, you know, they're sleeping on the bus, they're sleeping on the plane, they don't even know their name right then. And these pros are going to shoot at 1.30 in the morning just so their mindset feels good when they do get their real workout in at 8 a.m. And it's just turning heads like, you're going to do what? I mean, I'm dead tired. I'm like, I'm on the coaching staff. And these guys just set the tone to where you can't say anything to them. And I don't mean like, like you know, accountability. I'm just talking about like nobody can ever question what they're about. And it just it just changes everything when you have guys like that, man. I can get chills talking about these guys that are really about it because I get that's not normal. That's okay. You're not going to get that on every team. There's a reason why they made the NBA. But you can have that type mindset for a lower level player. And it can you that's when you can grab dudes by the shirt and not MF them, but you can talk to them and you can say, hey, tomorrow morning we're getting in here because no matter what on Friday night, we're not going down. And if we do go down, we're going to feel damn good like we gave it all. And if, if you don't fester and grow that and just let that live freely, it's really, really hard to create, man. So I, I don't know the, the culture in the locker room. I just know what he noticed, I noticed. You don't have the, the bench going bonkers on any type of 6-0 run where they got to call a timeout and slow it down. If you're not getting tackled on the court, it's, it's just not there right now. And, and that's, that's what you want to feel. Whoa, JD, let's not talk about being tackled on the court right now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> let's settle down. Yeah, why not? Well, what's, why not? What's, what's, what's great for this group of freshmen is having Terrell Burden around, who, you know, from all we've heard from Amir and from Petway and from those around the program is one of the hardest working guys out there. But what scares me is, you know, with a new administration, like, and just the, the new way that college sports are, you know, with this transfer portal stuff and everybody's jumping ship at any time, like how hard is that to establish now? 
uh, you're no longer bringing in your entire class with the expectation that they're all going to be there for four years. You know, that's just not the way it is. Like, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you get back there when you're not at a national championship level, like San Diego state is, and you're not, you know, having the guys buy in because there's that reason to. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. I mean, I, I would have, I don't know Terrell burden at all. Personally, I just respect him from a distance. Cause I love what he's about. Um, but without having known him, I thought for sure he was going, you know, with Amir, like, cause he had done his thing at Kennesaw. He turned it. He was a staple. He had, he should be puffing his chest up. I gave you my everything and it worked. And now I'm going to go with coach and my boys to South Florida and see what I can do. Just see what I'm capable of, even just for fun, you know, like let's chase a new dream. But the fact that, yeah, and probably get paid too, but the fact that he stayed just shows character but exactly what you're saying, you cannot bank in that in this day and age. It is just not going to become the normal. If Kentucky's losing guys and Oregon is losing guys, Oregon State, I mean, Oregon, Kansas State is damn sure losing guys. And it's just the way it is. They may not even be unhappy. They could be hugging and crying with Petway when they're leaving, but it's life-changing stuff out there. So you, you don't bank on it. You don't think they're even coming back unless – it's just some type of special connection. And, and Terrell has that with the school, but you, you can't plan it right now. They're, they're helping themselves. They're, they're getting who knows what. And it's, it's, that's why I, like, you can't be afraid of it though. You can be a little bit disappointed because you make some, some emotional connection with these players as a fan or from a distance, but that's what I mean. I'm, I'm okay with that because one, it's everybody. And then two, this is Petway's thing. He knows players better than anybody. He's he, believe me, he's got a hopper in his mind for just in case scenarios. He's not, he's not going to be caught off guard at all. The fact that he's got good, talented young guys, you're not going to win with young guys. Anyway, you got to get old. You got to stay old, go get some kickbacks that didn't get the minutes at the high majors. You're going to a new league. You got a lot to sell. I, I don't see it affecting him in a bad way at all. You may lose guys, but I think he'll be able to replace and, and do really well. Well, it's, it's my question wasn't so much about how do you adjust as a coach? You, you know, I, I don't doubt that he can get guys in a, and it's more of like we talk about the leadership thing and having guys setting yeah. examples. It's like, how do you establish that culture when you've got a new starting five every other year? You know? Yeah. I mean, I can take it a run again, but I know J Max going to jump in. But that that's just going to be an alpha on day one. You gotta you gotta have an alpha on day one. Is he's just going to let everybody in the gym know without even saying anything directly to anybody? This is the way it's going to be. And and that's the old saying of your best players got to be your hardest worker, in my opinion. I don't want anything to do with what them college coaches are having to deal with right now. It's crazy. I, I, I every single college coach, well, I, most of the college coaches I talk to are miserable. Yeah. Miserable. Uh, they're not happy. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's real tough right now. And the NCAA is the one that let it get out of control. And uh, I mean, I know that we're going off on another tangent here, but it, it's where it led to. And uh I'm very happy where I'm at compared to what the stories yeah. I hear from my friends in that business. No, it is what it is. It's if you're all about a team and culture and 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 just the term college basketball, we all know what that means to to each and every one of us and, and that passion and that that emotional side to it. It's gonna be harder and harder because you you are just you're just gonna be exchanging for for good opportunities. And that's like like it or not, that's the way it's gonna be. But you know, if we're going to really go off on a tangent, then then do what, what these dudes are talking about. Just sign them to contracts. Sign them to a one-year deal, and you know what's going to expect at the end of the year. Sign them to a two-year deal, and it's like a junior college player. Sign Like, that's that's all it has to take. And then, then you can start getting a little bit of what you're craving right now, Kai. 
How do we build a team? How do we build a culture? How do we get a little bit of reoccurring? I'm putting this dang black and gold on. You don't have to ask me when the last game ends. I'm here. You know, we don't, it's going to be hard to get that until there's any type of uniformity. But to answer your question, obviously the way we're talking about it, it's hard as hell. <laughs> That's the answer right. is, yep. you know, these young guys are going to have to take ownership of it if they come back and, and look somebody in the eye and say, I learned a lot last year, or I didn't get to speak up last year and I'm going to now, this is the way it's going to be. And I mean, you'll have some returners. The whole team's not going to go every year, but those, you really yeah. got to bank on those guys. That's what, that's the answer though. Is, is it, is I the mean, key, is a key to, sorry guys, a key to keeping people, players together. You know, when you have a nice class, like the Jennings, Youngblood, Stroud, who even know each other, or even if they don't know each other, like Lou, Wooly, <laughs> and whoever we have coming in as freshmen, you know, is that is that class kind of accountable to each other as well to like hey you know that we know there's money out there you know we're all in here at Kennesaw State we're going to win a championship I mean that could that could help as well you got to be accountable to your guys well, well the, the the whole thing about it now is the dollar seeped in I was the- just going to say maybe not if 200's on the table and I could love J Mac forever I'm gonna go take 200 I'm, I'm good <laughs> unfortunately you can't put the genie back in the bottle I know no. uh, you got to deal with what you, yeah, you got to lie in your bed. Cause man, it's uh that dollar is gonna, it's gonna hurt a lot of, a lot of effort that coaches are putting into building that culture that Kai was talking mm-hmm. about, man. And really, really, man, your best bet. And I hate to say it, the best bet to build a, a true culture is think of it as a two year term, man. Like yeah. you, you need to forget about trying to build a 10 year culture. Like, where we're just, man, this is a great culture dating back that decade, man. Like just focus on a short-term culture. I, I And I don't even know what that really def- is defined as, but it's. It's Juco. It's Juco. Yeah. You had to go over to 10 guys every year. And it, these guys, it, it you don't have to like it, but you do need to learn it. You know, you got to be able to pull it off because yeah. if, I mean, I, I don't even remember if we spoke about this on the last one, but. It's everything you guys have heard is true. It's how the conversations start right now. Coach, I love you. I love your program. I know you recruited me years ago. I got to ask what's on the table, though. I'm a a high character guy. I'm going to bring it every day. I'm not trying to make it about money, but what is it going to be? And they may or may not even keep the phone call going after that. It doesn't mean you don't like the guy on the other end. It just the call may end right there because we we had I got examples. I'll never do names, but we had examples of guys calling us local guys in San Diego, coach, I'm transferring. I want to come. I'm going, I'm in the portal already. You know, I, I, I know it won't be what I'm, what I have on the table at some of those bigger schools, but I, I obviously love you guys in the program. What is it? Well, it's X amount. Oh man. My dad won't let me. I got 350 on the table right now. I love you guys. I know you're going to win games. I have 350 on the table if I sign tomorrow. And it's like, we're nowhere near go for it like who doesn't want that when you graduate college for a nine-month contract the season's nine months he never has to go to class again if he's a senior 350 grand in nine months so tangent aside i'll talk about this all night but that, that was at that level where we aren't even in the room because the budget's not there so if these guys are half that and they're getting one 150 whatever it's just gonna be hard yeah, and we're probably not in the room for any conversations i doubt we have really any money to be honest with you now. Right. Okay. Right. I'm just I mean, gonna it's stand on the book. okay. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, that it's, was it's, my imitation of a child, so don't <laughs> disregard. 
it's uh it's life-changing money for a lot of guys who will never make it past summer league you know and that's not a diss it's just it's uh it's it's hard to crack it at the next level um but yeah no john you bring up the the young blood jennings stroud class and it kind of feels like we got the tail end of that and we were able to build that culture for a second there and then just you know immediately lost it and that was uh that was the consequence yeah so. Yeah, it, it, the the future of you know college sports it, it just makes me sad to think about it. So I'm also on a year by year basis here. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> we we may lose you. That's podcast. what you're saying. We could lose you at any I time. Hear, I hear uh, the state of Atlanta podcast down at Georgia State's looking for people, John. Oh um, no, I mean, if I, the portal real quick. I'm sure your your nil evaluation would be somewhere around three dollars four dollars four dollars and fifty cents if anything shoot i'll just wait to see who's number one and go there but then again it's a new team every week so i'll be i'll be hopping team to team so you know count me there you might be worth like a, a free netflix subscription just don't end up at your third school in three years third podcast dude, with, in three years dude with inflation that's like what like thirty dollars now for a netflix subscription shit it's not I'm bad in. yeah hell yeah not bad not bad but uh that's that's all i got on stetson um we got Queens next, uh, last game of the conference schedule. Uh, essentially, if we win, uh, we're going to be the seventh seed. Um, it doesn't matter if we're the seven or the eight because um, if, if we're one of those two, we're more than likely playing in the land against Stetson. Um, if we're the nine or the ten, we're playing um, at EKU if we win the playing game, that is. Uh, there are a few scenarios in which we fall out of the tournament in the first place, but um, both would take a lot. Uh, I know John's got his hand in the air. What are we expecting? I would just like to say that if we are the seven or eight seed and the, that would mean the nine and 10 seed would be on the other side of the conference, the other side of the bracket. So there's a chance we get a home game. This is true. I was thinking about this the other day while I was in traffic, I was like, wait, cause I mean, I've got, I've got some stuff booked up in my life for uh, when the conference championship is happening. Cause I was like, Oh, I mean, you know, we're probably not making it that far. And if we do, it won't be at home, but that is a, that is a possibility. Yes. It probably doesn't matter in this coming month. There is probably is out the window. It doesn't matter. Bang a couple shots, feel that momentum. It's a whole new life. Let it ride. There's no, probably everybody's talking about UConn and Purdue and Houston being untouchable. Are they the best three teams? Yes. That does not mean that Bama can't catch fire in the second round and knock them out by 15. Like you're out of your mind. If you don't think they can do that. I mean, Purdue so are they to, better? yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Purdue lost to a school from New Jersey with like a, an enrollment of like 1500 plays in a high school gym last year. So. Right. And they ran through everybody <laughs> all season. It doesn't yep. matter. Yep. Lost to a bunch of dudes who are six, five and under. I mean, well, yeah. they have the tallest player who's any good in the nation. So. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we've talked about it. We've talked about these dream scenarios. Look, you, you beat Queens, you know, at their place, a team you've beaten before, and then you win a playing game, you know, at really a neutral site in front of 10 people. Um, who's to say you don't get this thing rolling. Then you play Stetson, pull an upset and you're two games away. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a snowball effect, but like, it's, it's not the most unrealistic thing. No. no. And the, the makeup no. of this team is uh it's a scary thought for the opposing coach of these higher seeds, man. Mm -hmm. I, I I guarantee you out of all those bottom tier teams, the coaches at the top are looking at the saying, please do not let us get in a saw. Please. Yeah. I would love Bellarmine. I love central Arkansas. I can, I can manage, even though they may have a little more size, I can manage their skill because they're not near as athletic. The one thing you don't want to see uh, as opposing coaches, when you play lower seeds, is dynamic athletes, and that's what Kennesaw yeah. has. They got fast twitch guys who can just 
who, who can just ride momentum and ride ride uh, aggression and stuff. And and if they get that aggression and they get that feel and that killer instinct gets rolling, it, it, it's not it, it's not going to be good for the higher seed. No, absolutely. They don't they don't want to see us because you have to hit shots against us. We may not have the best defense in the country, but we are going to score on you. So you have to, even if you don't play that poorly, you've got to bring it against us. You got to bang shots. You got to come to play at pace. Can't be lethargic. Can't turn it over. We're going to score immediately on it. So you, you as if you're a higher seed and you earn that all season long, three, four months of grinding, and then you play a lightning bolt in us. That's not fun on a one-off. It's hard to win consistently like that, but there's, yeah. they do not want to see that because you got to hit seven, eight threes on us to beat us minimum. Yeah. And it's all going to come down to, honestly, can we hit the three point shot, you know, consistently for some games in a row and can we defend if we can do those things, then we'll have a chance. Hey, if we, if we win 89 to 88, we don't have to defend. So they score more than them. <laughs> very true. Very true. But I mean, hell, I mean, we're let's, let's win like one ten, one Oh nine, like the Lipscomb game. Why, why stop there? But yeah, like, I mean, Queens came to our place in front of a great crowd off of back-to-back and almost beat us in the first round of the conference tournament last year. So it's all still out there. And this is something that I'll ask uh, Petway about, hopefully after a win in the Queens game, is, um, you know, if having that that playing game before you get a, you know, a big timer like a Stetson or an EKU, if that almost helps you build some momentum, you know, oh. if you pick up that extra win. Um, obviously, you never want to have to win an extra game or play a back-to-back, but you got to kind of scratch for positives in that situation. We need to be Queens just for the momentum. If anything, I think if we lose to Queens, we're probably going to lose the, you know, the playing game, I think, or it'll be a much smaller, you know, shot. So like you said, you got to find a positive, but having been a higher seed in the mountain West tournament, when you play San Jose who beats air force in the first round, they're ready to go those first 10 minutes, you know, by, by then every game is an NCAA tournament game where it's a, it's a dog fight the first 10 to 15 minutes. You probably haven't gone on your run yet. You got to stay steady. They're feeling great because, like you said, they went to sleep after a W. We do. We have absolutely everything it takes to make some somebody's uh, day just suck here in the tournament. We can be spoiler for sure because we're dangerous. So, yeah, and the depth, man. I just I call it, man. You you got to be ready to absorb their Tyson haymakers, man. And we we got we got plenty of talent. Uh, we got plenty of fire. We got plenty of playmaking ability and shot making ability to catch fire and do some real damage, man. So uh, they, they got to they continue to keep working, man. And hopefully they do. Uh, one more thing that would benefit us from ending up in the seven or eight game is we end up on the opposite side of the bracket from EKU, first of all, and Austin P, who's been red hot down the stretch this year. So um, if that were to happen, then we wouldn't have to face either of those teams likely until, you know, the, the championship game. And then, I mean, if you make it that far, you know you're going to get a quality opponent regardless. So... Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I guess we'll be back uh, on Wednesday to kind of do a preview for Queens, right, Kai? And then uh, next week's special or next week's episode, we will break down the Queens game as well as uh, go over the bracket. Yeah. And uh, hopefully it won't be the last basketball post game show. Um, <laughs> so or the, the next one, I mean. So, uh, yes. We'll see. There, is a, there is a dire situation if everything goes wrong like a bunch of unlikely scenarios all happen that we don't make the uh, play in tournament. So we're hoping that doesn't happen, but that but is, we will, we will know this by, by next Sunday um, control our own destiny. Hopefully we're not in a situation where we got a scoreboard watch, you know, Bellarmine on the last day of the year. Uh, that would be, that would be an ugly scenario. 
And speaking of these guys got it good talking about conference tournament. We knew uh, three months in when our last game was, no matter what. (laughs) The play, we were in the transition period. It didn't matter what was going on. That last game was the last game. (laughs) Speaking of Bellarmine, they they kind of feel that too. Are they even eligible this year? Or do they have one more year of... uh, They got... They've got one more year of not being able to make the NCAA tournament. Correct. And also Which speaking is of- a, a stupid rule. Yeah, I agree. Because they, they, they came up year one and won the whole thing, and then Jacksonville State got to go, you know, for losing the conference title game. Yeah, that sucks. And I think Stetson, like, had some violations one year and, and got denied going, like, 10 years ago or so. 10 years ago or so. Oh, my God. I've been doing too much podcasting today, recording the baseball special and all that. My mind is mush. But also, Bellerman, did you guys catch that, uh, what's his name, Ben something, who hit the game-winning shot versus us? Tough shot. Super tough. He did it again versus another team, just minus the you know the, the huge pick, the tackle. And that's <laughs> that's half their conference wins right now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. So just that dude needs to get his NIL raise. So, you know. I mean, we said that about Bellarmine at the beginning of the season. You know, they they might suck and they might have a terrible overall record, but they're going to win like a, a game or two here or there that you would never expect them to be in. So that's the team. The team that won, we, though, man, they they played so fun. They, they were the fewest ball screens in the country. Just so so no fun dribble. to watch that team. Yep, no really dribble. cool. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. All right, y'all. That's all I got. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back with the midweek on uh, Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howl. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at ksuowlhowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!